Welcome to the Content 10X Podcast, the show where content creators learn how to harness the power of content repurposing. And now, your host, Amy Woods. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Content 10X Podcast. So this week, we're going to be talking all about how you can repurpose talks and specifically a TEDx talk because I've got a fantastic guest on the show, Mark Asquith, and he's going to talk all about how he got the most value from his TEDx talk that he did recently. And this is a first for me on the podcast because it's an in-person interview, which I've not actually done before. They're usually by Skype or Zoom and it's in a professional recording studio as well so firstly mark welcome to the show hello all right <laughs> i'm good now i usually read a bio about my guests but it feels a bit weird talking about you when looking at you <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna ask you um could you just introduce yourself to everybody please let them know who you are what you do sure why the heck not <laughs> um so i run rebel base media we're a, a tech company a podcasting tech company in sheffield that's where we are now in the studio um so rural based media kind of does two sides of the podcasting coin we make a lot of technology so we make podcast websites we make captivate.fm we make productivity um we make uh, all sorts of other bits and bobs like the podcast success academy but we also do kind of offline things as well so we do a lot of meetups a lot of events we've got the rebel base media recording studio that we're in now for podcasters and we do consulting and strategy we're basically the uk podcast people um, for generally helping independent people out. Um, yeah, and that's what we do right here in the Sheffield. Yes, in this really cool studio that you have. <laughs> um, and you have, how many did we say, four podcasts at the moment? Yeah, yeah, four live ones. I've got my podcast accelerator, which is like a little short form three times a week uh, podcast, which teaches and commentates on podcasting. I've got Captivate, which is myself and Jess Kupferman, um, who's a great friend of mine and, and founder of She Podcasts. That is a podcast about podcasting and is a little bit more deep dive stuff. And then I've got my Star Wars podcast, Spark Rebellion, and the show with Kieran, my co-founder here at Rebel Base Media, which is called Founders Fireside. So yeah, I'm... Uh, I'm a, I'm, I think I'm a bit addicted, actually. Yeah. Didn't, didn't realise that. <laughs> so if you know anything, you know the podcasting world for sure. <laughs> I was thinking last night, I was reading Outliers of Malcolm Gladwell. Have oh, you yeah. read that yeah, one? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's great, but yeah. although it's making me not want to go on a plane, for anyone that's read it, you're <laughs> like, nah, I'm not going on a plane anymore. But um, I was thinking to myself, this whole 10,000 hours thing, mm -hmm. I did the maths last night. About a month ago, I hit the 10,000 hour mark in podcasting. And I was like, oh, I can probably put on my website now that I'm an expert. That'll do. Um, so I need to go and edit that later, I think. Yeah, well, that's quite timely because you guys have kind of exploded with podcast websites to productivity, Captivate, the studio, everything that you do. So it's quite timely. I guess. It is, actually. Yeah. I never thought of that. <laughs> so we want to talk about your TEDx um, and everything that you did, all the content that you created after it, before it. Um, but firstly, um, why did you choose to do a TEDx talk? Uh, it was kind of on the bucket list for a while. So I used to do a lot of public speaking. I've cut it down this year. I'm not really doing much from 2019 onwards. Maybe like a couple of things like Retain for, for Mike and Callie. And then there's, oh, I've got Atomic Con next year. Mm. And then maybe one at Back to Harvard for in September, October. But other than those, like I didn't even, I didn't even bother with podcast movement or any of the big ones that I normally do. And even at PodFest, I moderated a panel. Mm. Um, so I was, I was, I was doing a lot of speaking in terms of um, just to get the original podcast products out there. 
and I'll probably get back to that when we're doing a little bit more with Captivate in the future. But um, it was since I started speaking, it was kind of on the bucket list, and it was it was funny because it all came, um, it all came at the same time. I was not really looking to be a professional speaker, and I've got no interest in really doing that. I think it's too much of a grind. It's not it's not not for me. I prefer making things and doing doing that, and. And suddenly, kind of within two weeks, I got a, a, a speaking gig at Harvard and then the TEDx, and then they took place within a week of each other. So I was like, oh, wow, this is quite interesting. So that was kind of, there were two big bucket list things just done. So it was just on the bucket list mm-hmm. since I sat, started speaking. I was like, oh, what, you know, what's really the biggest you can get? Apart from doing a TED talk itself, you know, TEDx is probably the next best thing. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the why. Um, and it, it happened to be, like it was in Coventry, it was only like an hour and a half away from my house. And it was just, it was just, you know, it was, there was no reason not to do it. No. And what, um, I mean, I've seen it, but for people who are listening, um, I'll put links to it so everybody can go and have a look. But what did you, what What was the um, key topic that you talked about? So the talk was called Choose Happiness, Choose Control. Um, and it was kind of this... Um, it was based around this idea that uh, I guess when when I got to maybe in my mid twenties, I was thinking to myself, right, okay, I'm because I used to be a contractor and I made a shit ton of money when I was like, I'm allowed to say shit ton. You can say shit Thank ton. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, beep. So I made a shit ton of money from and spent it. You know, I'm, uh, by all means, no, I'm not. I don't have any of that money left. I was in my twenties and spent the thing, but I just I went from having no money when I was when I was younger, um, quitting my job and still having no money, and then instantly talked my way into a contract that. <laughs> appropriately quite literally 10x my income from mm-hmm. like um 20 grand a year to 200 grand a year at 23 and I didn't know what the hell to do with it and I thought I'd made it and then I realized after just maybe like three months of earning that level of money I absolutely hated it and it was because actually I'd chosen <clears throat> what I thought was going to be the solution in money and it wasn't it was the control element that I wanted I wanted to be able to control everything mm-hmm that I do. And that's why I, I chose that title, Choose Happiness, Choose Control. So it kind of tells that whole story. How I, you know, I, I kind of thought I'd understood what I wanted and then realized actually I probably got that a little bit wrong. Mm. Um, so that was the, that was the, the topic and that was the reasoning behind it as well. Yeah. So kind of an inspirational lesson in life talk. If you, if you did another, would you do more on the thought leadership of um, podcasting, like being a leader in the podcast industry? Or? I don't know, actually. I, I might do something around like audio influence. So we do with our academy, like if you Google audio influencer, I think that we we come up pretty much top because we've kind of owned and coined this term audio influencer where you can create influence and build influence around an audio brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the main premise with that, I've got a frog in my throat, I apologise. <laughs> but the main premise of that is that you don't have to have a huge audience to, to generate income and generate influence from podcasting. It's a very different medium. Um, so I'd maybe do one on that, but I wouldn't do, I don't think I'd necessarily do one on podcasting because I think it would just, um, I don't think it would give people what they need from a TEDx talk necessarily, but I might do one on the influence side using audio, maybe. Mm, Okay, cool. So for your talk, how did you prepare and were you able to use content from other talks or anything that you've done before to prepare for the TEDx? So, uh, I'm terrible at talk preparation. Like I'm a bit of a storyteller. Like I'm a bit, you know me, like I talk a heck of a lot to say the things that you don't really need to say that many words for. And so I, I always approach my talks with the story that I want to tell in mind. And I, I don't prep it as such. I don't necessarily sit down and think about it. I'm very, I'm very much one of those people who has ideas that connect to each other over the course of time. So I actually didn't start scripting that TEDx talk. And I'm sorry, uh, organize if you're listening. I did the talk on a 
on a Saturday. I didn't even start scripting until Thursday night. Wow. Um, <laughs> because I knew the story beats. You know, I knew if you, like I said, if I said to you, what's the story of Star Wars, you'd be able to tell me. You don't have to write the script out to tell me the crux of it. And I knew the story beats that I wanted to hit. I knew the emotional triggers. I knew the places. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a seasoned speaker and I've obviously done like a thousand podcast episodes. So I'm not bad at knowing when to leave pause, knowing when to use certain types of inflection and, and so on and so forth. So I, I kind of, I developed this story in my head. Um, and then the way that I prepared for it was I, I, I literally wrote a script, which I never do for any talks. Like I did, I did, I've done so many talks, in fact, last, over the last couple of years, some big stages, not prepped for any of them. Wow. Because yeah. I've, yeah, like even, yeah. you know, the ones that you and I have been to together, mm. the bigger ones that you can think of, none of those has been scripted. They've just been, had like a few slides, you know, and I don't really do many slides. I just literally, oh, they said I've got to have slides. I guess I better put three slides together, but they're all just story beats. You know, they all just back up the story. There's never any text on them, really, apart from maybe just a big headline. Um, and it is, it's more about the telling of the story. So I scripted this out on a Thursday night. And I kind of, I just, I just basically listened to it, constantly listened to it, and then forgot about it, and then listened to it and forgot about it, listened to it, forgot about it, listened to it, forgot about it. Kept doing that, kept doing that, kept doing that. Because I knew the story beats, I've, I've learned over the last few years to trust my subconscious and like just, if it's in there, mm. it is in, it's in there, it's fine. I can get it back out. Um, so I knew the second what I needed to do, the second that I got on stage, what I needed to do, usual prep, you get on stage, you leave it five or six seconds to build a bit of presence up and then you just very calmly crack on. All I needed was that first line. I just needed to know what the first line was. Memorize that and everything else the subconscious kind of took care of. And I just reeled through the story. I knew when to stop. I knew what the effect was because I'd recorded it. This is the kicker. I scripted it and then I recorded it into this machine that we're recording into now and played it back in my car. Right. And then went running and played it back, went to the gym, played it back and just let it seep in. And then when I got on stage, it was just, it was there. And were there aspects of the um, talk that you'd already delivered before? So, pop, you know, segments of the story that you were, you'd already you know, presented to that before? Yeah, there was, um, there was only one bit actually that I'd presented before, which was, um, which was the whole hot dog kind of story that people used to kind of know me for in the speaking world. So this idea that, you know, I, I was very quick version of it. I was basically a kid, didn't have any money, went to a school disco, thought the hot dogs were free. They weren't, I had to give it back in front of everyone, wildly embarrassed. Um, and I'd, I'd just, it was probably the most full telling of that story and the most story version of that story where I went into detail and I set the scene. You know, if it's, I think the first lines of the talk are something like, uh, cast your mind back to 1993, you know, shell suits were in, we're all wearing mullets, Chris Waddles just skied it. Um, you know, I walked it, I can remember the smell of the the wood finish on the school floor when I entered the disco. And so I'd, I'd actually, I told the story, whereas normally you've got 20 minutes, 30 minutes on the stage, and uh, you don't have time for that. Yeah. You mm -hmm. can't get into that. But because this was packing an emotional punch, I was able to go in and set mm -hmm. that up. And I used that as the little kind of gambit to say, well, this gave me a problem with money. So when I got to 23 and, you know, I, I lined up a couple of other things in there, like my granddad's in there, I lined up two or three emotional kicks where, that I could reference later and come back to. So they, they lined the story up really nicely. Um, so that was the only bit that I'd repurposed out from other places. Yeah. Um, having said that, all all the talk 
really came together from stories that I tell if someone asked my opinion on something, okay. you know, so if someone said, what's the, you know, for example, like what's the most difficult day you've ever had? It would be the part of the story where I'm in New York and I get the call that my granddad's passing away and I've got to fly back. And it's, you know, it's that, that story was in my head and I'd already told that story mm -hmm. to people. It would, I'd just never delivered it. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was actually quite easy to put it together. It didn't take much time. And I think that's where a lot of people really forget, like even with podcasting and content for business purposes, you kind of forget that all you're trying to do is tell a story mm. and you just need to have a really good story. Like there's only, there's only certain ways that you can tell a good story, you know, set up conflict resolution is the basic, Yeah. you know, and it's, mm. if you stick to that, even at its most base level, you're going to deliver something good. Yeah. Um, so that's how I prepped for it. Have you um, read Story Brand? Yes. Don yeah. Miller, is it Don Yeah. Miller? Yeah. That talks about this, only certain stories that you tell yeah <laughs> it's good and yeah. it, don miller used to be a baker in barnsley he used to do custard donuts what the the guy who wrote that book i don't know <laughs> i should probably find that out because i used to bloody look like it used to be a tuesday like if my mum came back with uh custard donuts you knew she was in a good mood <laughs> and then i wonder what had happened to it and then suddenly 10 years later donald miller there he is story brand i hope yeah. it's the same person i've got a, a a big feeling that it's probably not it's not i don't <laughs> think it is i think he's he's uh got a Southern twang, US accent, I think. so. <laughs> Definitely not South Yorkshire. <laughs> well, that's say, you know, like you were saying, there's certain stories and, and there's only so many ways to tell a story. So you delivered the TEDx, which was brilliant. And then what did you do? Because I was really impressed. You went on and did various things to get the most out of the day, didn't you? So what kind of content did you produce off the back of the TEDx? So I wanted to... I wanted to get some assets. Yeah. Um, and I always think you should do this anyway. Like I've just took a picture of you recording here and we'll take, I'm sure we'll take a selfie and do some other stuff with it. And the next time you're talking, I'll probably video it. I'll probably do like a bit of a, a cheeky selfie thing in a minute. And they're all assets. And, and that's what I wanted from the day. So I wanted, I wanted some photography done. So I, there was a photographer there and I was really clear with that photographer. Look, yeah, you can take pictures. Of course you can. You're the photographer for the event, but Rather than standing there and doing it, why don't you stand here and do it? Just because I actually can use this asset myself. Yeah. Um, so I was really clear on the output that I wanted. Because let's be clear, TEDx talks are free, and rightly so. They shouldn't be. You shouldn't be getting any fees for doing a TEDx talk. Um, it's a privilege to do it, but you've got to get something out of it. So the assets were a big thing. And did they offer the the photos as part of the? you know, package, so to speak. So you knew you'd get certain photos. You knew you'd get your own video yeah. file. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they mm. were great with that. They sent mm. all that through. Um, and they sent, obviously sent the video file and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I made sure I got a lot of assets. I made sure I got a lot of kind of behind the scenes assets as well. So a lot of selfies, a lot of team shots, a lot of kind of candid, oh, look where I am sort of stuff, mm. you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. um, what else did we get from the day? It was kind of just people stuff. So look at me, I'm here with this other speaker who's doing other amazing work yeah. in this other field that is different to me. Um, and just making sure that on the day that I left with that kind of setup. And that, it sounds really funny, but that's kind of what, um, it, it, it's kind of what planned my, like how I dressed and everything around that. Like, like I'm sat here now, t-shirt and baseball cap, and that's a very uh, typical thing. And I'm at conferences, I speak like that. It's very rare that you'll see me unless it's at Upreneur where Duck is like, oh, mate, you got to wear a shirt. Um, he didn't do that, but Chris, I know, I know you would. I know you would <laughs> and would appreciate it. Um, but, you know, in, in, unless it's a place like Upreneur or whether it's um, like even at Harvard, I'm just like T-shirt, jeans, baseball cap. 
And it's just, that's the thing. Yeah. And even with my new photography, it's like denim jacket, kind of pretty chilled out stuff. Um, but on that day, I wanted something slightly different because I wanted to be able to use that if in, if in the future, because it was the name TEDx, I wanted to be able to marry that up to a slightly different level of, of speaking. Yeah. So that if in the future I do want to do more with speaking and start charging 15, 20, 30 grand for speaking gigs, that photography represents what they would expect to see. So I'm running the gamut of the photography there. Mm. So that kind of, uh, that inspired how I spoke and how I delivered it and inspired every, every part of the day was what assets can I get from this and yeah. what can I use from that? Which again, come into repurposing, um, you know, when you, when you think about like doing maybe in the future, like retrospectives, you do kind of, you know, a year on from my TEDx talk here's what I learned, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's good to revisit that sort of stuff and, and use those assets because otherwise you end up having to bluff it. You end up getting a picture of you speaking somewhere else or just a bit of photography that you've done yourself, finding the TEDx logo online. It just, it just doesn't cut it. You know, you need to plan those shots out. So oh yeah. That's a huge great. Thing. Yeah. Like I've seen them. There's some really amazing photos. Look fab. Yeah. Look very Thank you. Dapper on stage. <laughs> I am not dapper in any other part of life. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really good. You know, as soon as I saw them, you can use them for a long time. Yeah. yeah. They're really, really good. Yeah, it's a huge thing to just, and, and it really is planning it out, you know, getting a, a, a feel for the venue yeah. when you walk in there. And obviously TEDx is set up to allow you to make the most of it because they've got the big styrofoam kind of polystyrene TEDx logos. They've got the big, big old screen. Yeah. Um, you can do something quite cool with mm. it. And again, it's it, it's about picking the slides. Like I, I really don't like really having slides. I like to just tell the stories, but I need, they said to me, you need to have some slides. So I was like, okay, I'll do five very key points of the story. So um, you just, did you only have five slides? Yeah, yeah, really? many. Well, uh, maybe, maybe, eight, that. <laughs> maybe eight, Yeah, actually, because yeah. I added some more in. Um, that's counting like, hello, goodbye. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't have many because I wanted, each one of the slides is a chapter of the story that I was telling. That's the main, the main point of that one. Um, but again, choosing slides that when someone's shooting from a wide angle further back, the slides look good. Like I've got one of New York, I've got one of my granddad in there. Just it's, it's basically like a massive face, you know, and then I've got um, big, bold word, you know, like wrong or yeah. whatever it is. I forget mm. what it is, but just it's not. Here's why I discovered that this thing was wrong. I'm X, Y, Z, and here's some bullet points and loads of transitions. No, it's just the big word in big ass bold letters, wrong, you know, and then it spurs people on to be thinking, ah, okay, there's a little bit of a tease and I'm going to listen to the story. So that's actually... Um, I think there's a lesson there to be learned about repurposing content in general. Um, like I've started doing it on my, ins excuse me, I've started doing it on my Instagram. Um, last night I published uh, just a post, which is just a picture of London with a big old hashtag in my brand colors, my mm -hmm. little logo on it, which is hashtag LDN. And then I did a little swipeable, which is the actual photo that I wanted to publish. Yeah. And then wrote a little write up of it because it's, it's, it's actually framing the content in a, a much, much more positive light, but it's also playing to the strengths of the algorithms on the platforms yeah. that you're on. Um, so I do think there's a lesson to be learned there. It's kind of, okay, what frames the content and then what is the content? Mm. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think enough people do that. No. I think, you know, I think people are, um, they're too quick, certainly in content circles and, and kind of business circles to just go, okay, here's everything. Let's stick it all on an image. Let's put loads of text on it and just drop it on there. Um, but, and even with videos, like promo videos, like I do similar to you, like the headshot videos. Yeah. I've done those in the past, but I do think there's maybe something in there where it's kind of a, um, you know, if, if you go to the cinema to watch Endgame or Star Wars or whatever it is, it has a poster. 
yeah. to get you excited. Mm. So when you're swiping through it, it's not, oh, there's Amy with a headshot. It's actually, oh, okay, what is that? And then you scroll, you swipe across and there's the video. Yeah. So I just think it's, um, when it comes to repurposing sentences within content and talks and so on, I think you can get a little bit more creative with it mm-hmm. um, and play to the strengths of the algorithms. You know, I've yeah. started seeing much more engagement, many more likes. Yeah. If you do that, if if you get just a swipe, that pl- that gives you that positive algorithm juice <laughs> positive algorithm juice <laughs> P-A-J. Um, but it does doesn't it like anything like you know shares very premium mm-hmm. comment obviously alike but even just a swipe it's all it means that they didn't ignore the content so it's good to encourage people to do um anything that um, shows that they're engaging so yeah we we did a big campaign at christmas where it was like an advent calendar but you saw the number and you had to swipe to see mm-hmm. what was behind it and we did 24 of those and that was really good because people were kind of looking to see what was behind it. So I completely agree. And also with your slides, especially like if you do slide shares and things like that, we always try and split sentences so that the next sentence, like half the sentence, then the next, it carries mm. on and carries on, carries on. Like we never actually end the point on one slide. You have to get the, the end of the point in the end. So you have to keep going through, but that's when it's fast. That's quick, like yeah. fast, 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 fast. You just want them to swipe, swipe, swipe. So, <laughs> so um, visual content. So you got loads of visual, loads of social. You so you wrote a script. Did you did you handwrite the script or did you type the script? I typed it out. Yeah. Uh, I was in a cafe in Boston. Um, we just finished at Harvard and we were waiting for the flight and we were just in this really kind of hipster cafe, like super hipster, like you could have avocado on avocado and so all <laughs> that kind of crap. And uh, I, w- I was just writing it, sat on some kind of sofa and just wrote it out. Wrote the. F- I'm, I'm I'm lucky to be able to write quite quickly and tell stories quite quickly. Um, I knew how long I needed to write between 15 and 20 minutes. Um, and it, that, that thankfully comes quite easily. I think that, I can't remember how many words it worked out, maybe four, maybe 5,000, 6,000, whatever, I forget, mm. whatever. Um, so yeah, I just drafted the script, wrote the script, edited it, edited it, edited it, um, really kind of refined it. And then when I got back, I just recorded it, like I said, into this. Mm. Um, so with that, what you had there, which is almost a chapter of book or a podcast. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you going to, or did you repurpose that written content into anything? Yeah, I did a big old blog post on it. Okay. I'm a huge fan of kind of really long form article based blog posts rather than kind of the, the, the kind of shorter form stuff. Um, unless it's quick educational tips, of yeah. course, but um, I'm a big fan of kind of deep dive blog posts. So I did a, did a chunk on that one. Cool. Um, and then the main repurposing that I did from that primarily was um, the podcast. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my seven minute mentor podcast. It was seven minutes a day, three days a week. Um, same format as my my current show, the podcast accelerator one, but it was much more around business. Um, okay. And we've kind of we've, we've we've left that one on hiatus for the minute because we we're literally solely focused on podcasting. Um, but I do monthly themes on that one, and and we've done some work together on it actually. So you'll kind of remember that format. Yeah. We did monthly themes, mm-hmm. and. I I did a whole month on how I landed, created and executed and then appraised my TEDx talk and literally did a whole, right, here's what happened on day one. I got a phone call. This is this is what I did to, to close the deal right up to the planning, all that story that we've just told and got a whole, so much traction on that, like a lot of traction. In fact, I think when I look at my uh, podcast analytics for that show, I think, I think that's still the most downloaded set of episodes that I've done um, because it was really 
tactical advice and really kind of behind the scenes, mm. like, look, you get on stage, things are going to go wrong. Here's three ways to get back from doing that. One, don't worry about it. Three, they don't know that it's gone wrong. Two, uh, sorry, can't even count. One, two, and three even. One, don't worry about it. Two, they don't know it's gone wrong. And three, you just, you, you, you know the story, just take a breath and get, you know, back to your trigger words. Um, so that's how I repurposed it primarily. Into a month's worth of podcast content. month's worth of content, which in turn <laughs> yeah. obviously got repurposed into images yeah. and mm. social promos and, uh, and and all sorts of other assets as well, which were intended to promote the videos and to promote the uh, the podcast content. And obviously you're right, it's the, it's a chapter, it's an open chapter of a book. You know, that's the, there's probably two books that I've got in the planning stage. I mean, one's a podcasty one. One's a uh, kind of just more like a personal one. And that's basically the bloody hell. You know, that's probably two chapters. You know, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of content there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and that's, like I said, I'm not really a big scripter usually. I'm not really into that sort of stuff, but I'm grateful for doing that because I think it allowed me to deliver a better talk. But I think it also gave me the breadth to be able to use it in more ways rather than having to remember. Yeah. Um, and I've actually started doing that a lot more. So for my podcast accelerator show, I've started scripting a little bit more, not of the content, but the intro and the outro. Yeah. Because it's all live read stuff. I'll do, I literally sit down in front of this machine now, press the music button, press record, start talking. You know, so to have that scripted, it just warms me up. Yeah. Um, but I'm also able to use that script for podcast descriptions and, yeah, exactly. you know, so you mm. just, I find I'm not really good at that kind of prep, you know, when it comes to business prep and tech prep. Yeah. Great tip, but actually content prep, because I've always been quite lucky to be able to talk and know what I'm trying to say. Um, it's, it's, it's not been something that I've historically been great at, but I, I do think you get so much benefit from it. And did you strip the audio from the actual TEDx itself? Is it muted again? I was just moving mine so I can move this. Um, yes, I did. So I got the audio from it and okay. I played that the last episode of that monthly theme, that monthly audio. Um, so you said, you remember I said I did the podcast. Yeah. Um, I did, the last episode was my TEDx talking yeah. full. Okay, cool. And I did a top and tail on it. I was just like, hey guys, you know, welcome to the show. This is uh, this is TEDx talking full. Obviously, it's a little bit more echoey than you'd expect from a podcast, but it was recorded live on a shotgun mic with, with their AV team. Um... And yeah, again, that went really, really well. You know, got a lot of, uh, lot of, lot of downloads on that. Got a lot of great feedback on it, and it just, yeah, people really responded well to the whole lead up to it, and then kind of telling the story. It's almost like it's like Avengers, isn't it? You know, yeah. like the End Game film. The reason that's doing so well as we're recording this is because people have invested twenty-two films worth of stuff into watching that universe expand, and it was a, a much smaller scale version of of that. Much, much more exciting, though, right? Um, <laughs> Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> but it was, that you know, they'd invested in yeah, that. They yeah. knew what the payoff was going to be, but they didn't mind. They wanted to get to that. And rather than jump to the end and listen to it, they were able to just follow that journey along. Yeah, you know what's funny, though? I bet there was quite a lot of people who had already watched it because you put the video out and still sat down and listened to the audio version of it as well. Like, there will be, won't there? Loads of people who did that. What did you do with the video? So you got a, a high-quality video, I guess. Um, did you chop it into social videos and all of that good stuff? Yeah, so I did three things primarily with it. I uh, I posted it on YouTube. Now, what I didn't want to do was repost that everywhere. I didn't want to repost it on Facebook. I didn't want to go too heavy with it, which ordinarily I would do. The reason I didn't was I wanted to push all the traffic into YouTube so that um, if I ever wanted to do anything with it, I could say, look, here are the numbers 
for this. So I, I wanted to use it more as a as a as a as a lever for other things as opposed to distribution. Okay. So all the numbers go to that thing primarily. But what I also did was I actually used it and chopped it up on um, into little segments on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and did like some very pertinent like 30 to 60 second clips from it and posted that around everywhere. And then the third thing that I did with it was I used it for a while and I've only just changed that this morning actually. I used to use it as my Facebook page cover. So I would have cool. a, a rolling piece of it. I think, I can't remember how long you can have, maybe 30 seconds. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, I had it on as a video. The quality was shocking because Facebook down rates it. Um, but it, it, you know, it, it was, it worked well. It looked all right. Just started to annoy me because I go on my page and every time it'd be me moving. I'm like, come <laughs> on, I don't want to see that. And uh, and going through a rebrand as well. I needed yeah. to upgrade it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. I used it in those three ways. Cool. Um, and did you put it into Insta stories? Did you create some vertical videos from it as well? Um, I think I created about two and I didn't do many um, for that. And the reason for that was that the way that it had been filmed, it was, it, it didn't seem to fit the style of story because you were, you were losing a lot of the resolution mm-hmm. to kind of get close in. I was moving around a little bit and it just, you know, because of the vertical um, constrictions of it, it would just it just didn't quite feel right. I did do a couple of them, but I wasn't a huge fan of it. Ordinarily, I'm do, I do everything on stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really, really good way of pushing people around the, the, the ecosystem. But uh, no, I only did a couple because it just, I don't know, for some reason that video didn't seem to fit. And also you, you lost a lot of the atmosphere yeah. because it's the whole auditorium. It's the TEDx logo behind you. It's the red dot that you stood on. It's the AV, it's the light. You just didn't get that from being zoomed in on my face. No, yeah, well, if you want... Um, help my pass it to us because my video editor can do amazing things with the horizontal the horizontal to vertical. Ah, so we can nice. If you want. <laughs> I'm up for that. I'm yeah. up for that. I've seen a few um, people that kind of top and tail it, like they'll put something above it yeah, and below so we, it. Yeah, so we tend to put it on a canvas. Yeah. Um, keep it in uh, the integrity. Keep it in a horizontal format, but just burn the captions at the bottom, put logos, things like that at the top. Um, so it still looks good, but it's in that vertical. Yeah, format, I've seen that. So it does look good. That's what we always do. So. We'll help you with that if you want. Well, all right then. <laughs> um, so, any did you do? Is there anything else? Like one particular thing I wanted to ask is: um, Did TEDx themselves do much by way of promotion and repurposing of the content? Do you know? No, they didn't. No? Not that I know of. Um, they just posted it on YouTube, and I didn't find out until about a week later from the, the local organisers. Um, so, no, I mean to the credit, they've got thousands of these things going on. Um, but no, they didn't, they didn't no. do too much with them, I'm afraid. They, no. they, they, they were just like, okay, look, the video's on YouTube, go and, go and share it. Um, but no, I don't think they've got the bandwidth for that. Cause remember TEDx are obviously locally organized as well. So it depends on the team that you get. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine, Felicia Jones had a, a, a TEDx talk and she had a much different experience. Um, mine was run kind of by a university and run by the student body, which was fine. It was great. They did a fantastic job of it, but it wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite as polished as someone like Felicia mm. had with her experience. Cause I mean, Felicia had things like, okay, um, we want you to do a script really early. We're going to do three or four training sessions with you. And I, I mean, you know me, if they'd have said we want to do that, I'd have been like, well, I mean, let's not. <laughs> yeah. um, but so it, it was fortunate for me cause I would have probably grated against that a little bit. I'd have been like, oh, that's not really for me. Mm. Um, but Felicia did seem to receive a little bit more, but I think that's just down to the local organ- local organizers. And like I said, to the credit, the guys at Coventry did a wonderful job of it. Um, 
it just it was it was you could tell there was just a little bit less experience yeah. in in the follow up mm. world you know yeah. where you and I would 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 obviously do more with it um i think unless you're in this space you wouldn't know to do that really no no so it, all in all um as you mentioned obviously you don't get paid to do tedx but it's you know it's the um yeah, it's an experience and it's something to go down in speaking world and um you got lots and lots from it then, like so much content. So it was worth it for that as well. What would you give if someone's listening to this and they are considering doing a TEDx talk? Um, what would you say would be your one uh, tip for that, for doing a TEDx? So it's kind of a two-parter. Um, okay. There's a lot of work to do in planning it and scripting it. So make sure you've got the bandwidth because you can't half-ass it. You can't half-ass it because if you do, you put all that work in and they ain't going to use it on their websites. So there's no point. There's really no point unless you get a few decent pitches for it. But then if 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 you if you do it and then they don't use it, when people search for you, they ain't going to find you. So it's almost a li- kind of a little bit illegitimate, even though it's not. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that's the first thing. Make sure you got the bandwidth. Yeah. Um, but the second thing is you've got to be really clear on what you want out of this. Like, why are you doing this, and what benefit will it bring to you? Because when you do know what you're trying to get out of it, you you handle it differently. You, you you come into it with your eyes open and say, well, look, on the day I need to do these 10 things to make sure that everything I get from this is, is usable moving forward. It's useful to me. It's um, it's going to progress my brand in the direction that I want it to. And, and I can, it's not like you can say, well, I'm going to do another 10 of these things. Like with normal speaking gigs, you pick your venues and maybe you take a photographer to the best ones. This is a one, two, maximum, I would say three times a lifetime sort mm, of thing. Yeah. Um, so don't take it for granted. Put the, the full work into getting out of it what you need. Um, and I think if you do that, you can really benefit from it. And then don't be shy of using it. Like it's in my, uh, did I take it out? Did I put it in? I'm sure it was in my social bios. Yep. Yeah. I think it is. Like you literally just put TEDx speaker and people are like, oh, it's legit. Yeah. Especially we combine it with a few of the things like, I don't know how, but I've got like a Twitter verified thing. I don't really know how I got it. And it's like things like that. You know, if you combine those two or three things, suddenly your personal brand starts. Like I've got more, I post and in, interact far less now than I have ever done and get more followers mm-hmm. than I've ever done. I ain't got a lot of followers, only like six and a half thousand or whatever, but I'm always getting new followers yeah. and I'm barely doing anything. I think it's because when people stumble across the profile or they do see you interacting, there are more people getting involved with you because it's like, ah, okay, somehow he's got a blue tick. Oh, and TEDx speaker. Yeah. You know? So yeah, definitely. That's social mm. proof, you know? Mm. So you'd say that it's probably not your, you wouldn't recommend it to be someone's first speaking endeavour because, you know, like you were saying, you might do one, two, max three in your life. So get some speaking experience behind you before you start thinking about going on a TEDx stage. Yeah. You've yeah. got to be calm on the stage. Yeah. You've got to talk a lot slower than you would normally. You've got to be able to use your inflections properly. You've got to be able to deliver a story properly. You've got to be able to um, hit the emotional beats properly and know when to kind of let people hang and linger. You've got to know all this stuff. And the only way to do that is practice. And the, the biggest reason for doing what you've just said there, I mean, is pretty much because if you cock up, you need to be able to get back without them knowing. You know, yeah. I, my I scuffed the order of one of my little subsections. It didn't matter; they were interchangeable. But I was like, "Oh, wait a second. In my head, I was like, that that wasn't. I have not said this thing that no one else knew. I was just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, well, you know, that's all right. We'll just carry on." And and you you need to have that 
agility and that adaptability, I think. And that's yeah. what the practice will yeah. do. Yeah, that happened to me last week, actually. Did it? What are the older uh, aims of transformation? Uh, yeah, just what you said. It was just, I was talking, I wasn't really looking behind me at the slides. Well, there was one of those screens in front, but I just wasn't really looking at it. And then I did look and think, I'm currently talking about isn't anything to do with that slide. I can't remember. I either skipped ahead or, or I didn't move it forward or something like that, but I just didn't mention it. Just carried on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone noticed, hopefully. Well, yeah, if anyone's listening now, maybe thinking, yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> um, but no, you just, you don't draw attention to it, do you? You just carry on and... Yeah, because no one yeah, knows. No. You know, the, the, as far as they know, that's the, the planned version of the talk. Yeah. Um, and as long as you're delivering the value and the knowledge, it's... And, yeah, they're People not there to look at slides, are they? No. So it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, I'll put everything that you said in the show notes, links. I'll put your TEDx talk in the show notes as well. Um, where can people go to connect with you? Um, the easiest way is probably go and check out some of the podcast stuff. In particular, go to uh, rebelbasemedia.io forward slash grow. So that's going to help you kind of grow a podcast and, you know, all that kind of good stuff. So go and check that out, rebelbasemedia.io forward slash grow or at Mr. Asquith on all the socials. Cool. Okay. All right. Again, put the links to that in the show notes as well. So cool. Thank you, Mark. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thank you.